friends, and welcome to the latest Kings of Anglia podcast. It's a Wednesday. If Monday's show was a happy Monday, Wednesday is a very wet and miserable Wednesday. Glancing outside my window here at Heath Towers, it's raining, it's pissing it down, and that somehow fits with the mood in the Ipswich Town camp after last night's 4-1 tonking at Doncaster Rovers. Obviously, normally we'd do this podcast on a Thursday, but we wanted to do it on a Wednesday to get it to you earlier because there's so much to talk about and obviously quite a lot of fallout from the game. I'm Mark Heath, I'm your host as ever, and the two guys who were at Doncaster last night got home at 2am or something this morning, went to bed naked, obviously, got up, got dressed and jumped straight on this podcast so they can bring their thoughts to you. Dr Stuart Watson, how are you? I'm fine. That's quite a big assumption that you've made there that, that we've got dressed. Well, um, you told me you were getting dressed. Well, you said you were having a shower. So, uh, to be fair, I, did, I assumed you'd put clothes on after that. So, I, I have, but never assume. Exactly. Um, and, of course, your partner in crime, the man who travelled that lonely road with you to Doncaster and back last night and shared, I'm sure, in your chagrin at the outcome of the game, Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren... How are you? I'm quite tired. I won't lie to you. I had. I was up up very early this morning. So uh, please, please bear with me, please. Mm. On that topic, bear with us. Hutchie's having technical issues. He's had his um, his internet, broadband, Wi-Fi, dial-up connection changed at uh, at Hutchie Towers, which means that sometimes his audio is going to drop out, and it may sound like he's having a stroke. Don't worry, he's not. We hope. Um, but obviously we want to get on board on this, so please bear with us on that front. Boys, judging by social media last night during the game and also people coming at me online, um, Ipswich Town season's over. Absolute waste of time. This is always going to happen. Paul Lambert's a joke. Toto NTR is a joke. Thomas Holy's a joke. We're a joke. Everything's a joke. Ipswich Town is shit. Why do we bother? Stuart Watson, your thoughts, please. Can I give you a little bit of advice, Mark? Yeah. Don't don't engage too much in those sort of half an hour period after games. People are raw. Let them vent. Um, it's yeah. Th- this is how it's. Uh, this is how it is with football fandom. Um, I, it was always going to be kind of bubbling under the surface. I think with you know, as, as no matter how well they started this season. It just feels like the the last few years of kind of repeated false dawns and disappointments has kind of just put Ipswich Town fans in that fairly sort of cynical mindset, and I, and I get that because um, because they've been through this cycle a few times before. I'm, that's not to say I think we should be hitting the panic button just yet, um, but I, I do understand how it's kind of. Um, stirred up a few emotions for, for people. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, I, we're, we're all football fans here, and that is the the preserve of a football fan is to kind of overreact and, and, and take everything to the nth degree. And I, I totally understand why people reacted as such. But clearly, obviously, given that we're journalists, we have to try and stay a little bit objective yeah. and, and kind of have a, have a calm overview of things. And no man is calmer than my friend Hutch Hogan. So, Hutchie, how are you feeling this morning? calm I feel tired uh but I I, f- I feel like we're going to dissect this game in a minute and it's right that it's going to get dissected mm. but, but I've already moved in my mind 
game and they were going to lose eventually and they were probably going to lose quite badly at some point as well. That's happened. Now it's about responding. That's when we'll truly know how, how bad last night was. Obviously, like Stu said, the mind, the mind didn't how the first defeat became two defeats, became three and, and, and then it all sort of tumbled away. Um, that's the big mental test for Ipswich last season. The big mental test last last season was about starting well and, and getting rid of relegation hangovers, which they did mm. before it before blue. It was about how that how 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 do you respond to the first defeat adversity? Can you be consistent throughout the whole season? And that's when we're really going to know whether last night was an awful blip. Once again, I hate using the word blip. That became a thing last year, didn't it? Talking about blips. But we'll know more on Saturday. And that, that, that that's where I'm at. But it's, it's right that we dissect the game, first and foremost. That's a perfect segue, Hutchie, then. Let's start dissecting the game. And obviously, we'll come on to Lincoln in due course. Stewie Watson, obviously, town weren't great last night. It all started very well. Um, and obviously, they were one up. They're playing very well. And then it all went tits up. Um, your your first your kind of first impressions and, and thoughts on on what happened last night. First twenty minutes were, were were definitely impressive. I thought first and foremost they were there was more desire in terms of winning the fifty fifties. Even people like Judge and Sears were were winning headers in the final third. They were getting stuck in, and and you have to win that kind of battle first to earn the right to play. And they were doing that in those first 20 minutes. And then when they got it, you could hear Lambert shouting pass forwards repeatedly. And, and they were doing that. And they looked like it was going to be another one of the, those afternoons that we've seen so far where they were, they were incisive. Um, the goal was everything that I've just described because Chambers wins a towering header from, from a big diagonal out on the right. He charges forwards. Um, cross own goal and you think here we go and has a bit of complacency crept in at that point from Ipswich thinking this is you know this is all right well you know this is this is coming a bit easy to us I don't know I mean James Wilson spoke to Andy after the game and sort of admitted maybe, maybe that is a little bit of that did creep in but after that it was kind of a tale of mistakes and jitters at the back being punished but also to only focus on that would, would be short-sighted because the midfield was fairly lethargic. They stopped doing everything that I just discussed. There was no sort of grit or fight in there, which allowed Rovers midfield to get on top. And then up front, that sort of clinicality that we've seen in the previous games was was gone. I mean, Judge had a couple of good chances um, in the first half. He curled one too close to the keeper. He smashed a, a free kick into the wall. Um Second half, very early on, Sears saw a low shot held by the goalkeeper um, when perhaps he could have squared it. So on on such sort of fine margins to games swing. Um, and in, in the end, Ipswich were well beaten. Hutch, in your ratings, there were pretty much fours across the board. I think Chambers scored a six, which was by far the highest highest mark for a, for a town player. And you you referred frequently in there to standards dropping and mistakes creeping in. Is that is that a good way of, of summing up the game for you? Yeah, I think so. They've set they've set themselves high standards, and that that's both individually and collectively as a team. We've we've talked about the defensive partnership of Enciala and Wilson, a surprise defensive partnership that has emerged really well. 
Um, they both did. They didn't play particularly well in this game, and and mistakes were mistakes were punished. Maybe they were mistakes that they've got away with a few times hmm. so far this season, but they were punished. Had a few moments where where he's he's looked a little less than assured, and and some moments where he hasn't dealt with crosses well, and he's being asked to do a lot with his feet. Um, but there was a warning sign in this game uh, about 20 minutes in where he presented Sims uh, and was bailed out by Enciala. But in the second half, he he simply passed the ball to Sims for for that fourth goal. Um, yeah, the mistake the mistakes are coming in. They've they've got punished, and and it was maybe just one game too far for a group of players that have had to had to so many players out out injured, but. You know, I'd agree with Stu about the midfield. I think that was a real issue for for the start of this season. We've seen players like Dazelle, um, Nolan, even sort of confidently taking the ball off, um, meaning that they're not shouldering that burden of playing off the back. That they've got options, as well as lacking steel and grit and a bit of fight in there. I think that that went missing as well. They maybe drifted up the pitch, trying to trying to get things going. Defence lacking options and 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 needing to be maybe a bit more brave than they needed to be. Um, all in all, not a good team performance. And um, yeah, just need, it needs to be it needs to be better. Yeah, um, a few of the guys that did uh, the game day with Roscoe. See Ross, I should mention that uh, Ross is actually off today, wherefore he's not he's not able to join us. So um, Ross will be back next Monday with a, with another episode of the strike and, and more chat about various things turkish sausage and, and other sort of stuff <laughs> um but uh, a lot of the game day guys mentioned that it, it wasn't a 4-1 game they didn't think obviously there was that that mental couple of minutes in the second half Stu. do you it was 4-1 a, a fair reflection on on the game for you i can see why people are saying that because that quick summary i came went through earlier there were moments where as if it had taken a couple of the chances that were there for them the whole game could have been different. And yeah, two goals in two minutes, second half, where Ipswich have shot themselves in the foot, really, certainly for the second half goals. And I think they really should have done better with, with both of the first two as well. I know Lambert's talked about them there being an element of fortune, but yeah, the, when a deep cross kind of floats over everyone and goes in, there's an element of fluke about that. But I still think everyone was back in the box. Someone should put Holy was a bit slow to react. The second one, both centre-halves go for the, the same ball and, and leave a gap behind. And then, you know, we've talked about the, the second two, Holy giving it straight to, to their man. And, and Toto was a was a clumsy penalty giveaway, really, which um, <laughs> stirs up some some memories of, of old, really, with, with him, which is a concern. But hmm. was it a 4-1 game? Well, ultimately it was, because they, they took their chances and Ipswich didn't. And the momentum swing went with them and, and they rode that bit of momentum, but there was enough good bits and pieces in there just to, to kind of make me think that Ipswich can kind of park this one, might just sharpen a few minds. Lambert talked about it being the little knock that they needed and talked about complacency earlier that going right back to the start, we talked about how this is going to rattle the fans a little bit and stir up some of the emotions about false dawns and, you got to hope that that doesn't affect the players in in that way, and this is a real sort of mental test of character for them now. Hmm. 
only thing kind of fundamentally you can pin last night on it was it i mean obviously we, we say it was, it was a bad night at the office there were there were several things that, that happened which were unfortunate um but is there anything you would say kind of underpinning what happened last night or is it just a case of of, of mistakes and, and a bad on Friday? i hope it's the latter and, and i think it i think it i think it probably will prove to be the latter i think i think maybe we saw if we saw the lack of a real striker being an issue, I thought, because yeah, the first 20, they played some really, really nice football. Um, mm. And the goal was a very good one, but I never, I never felt like it, it had the substance. Um, they weren't, they did score, but they weren't bashing the door down for goal. Getting chance after chance after chance. So I think maybe that was, I think that was an issue as well. I just think there was issues throughout, throughout the team and, and that can happen you can have a bad you can have a bad night at the office it happens it, it hopefully hopefully it doesn't matter that they've lost this game 4-1 um mm. ultimately like they were going to lose games eventually that was always going to happen and the big test was always going to be how they respond to it we've got a chance to see that maybe earlier that earlier than we wanted but um it, it was going to have to happen at some point Mm. It's worth it's worth mentioning that Hull um, lost four one to Fleetwood only a couple of weeks ago, and they've they've responded. They've gone back to the top of the table, so that's the sort of response we need to see from Ipswich now. You've taken away my excellent segue there, Stu. That was going to be my segue, in, but um, you've done it now. So um, we should have, one thing we should also mention before we we start looking at Lincoln is, of course, the background to the game wasn't ideal. Coronavirus in the camp. Caden Jackson tested positive, uh, and until kind of late Monday night, it wasn't entirely. Um, 100% that the game would even be going ahead. If, if a slew of positive results came back, obviously that would have to be in question for town. So uh, they had to train on Saturday, on Friday, excuse me, socially distanced. Um, and you spoke to Lambert about that as well after the game, didn't you, Stu? Yeah, the, the game was always going ahead. Um, the rules are a little bit vague. I've, I've spoken to a few people at the club. I, th- I think they basically, the, the authorities take it on a, on a sort of a case-by-case basis if you suddenly had a... Three, four, I think, is the kind of the number that you'd have you'd need of sort of positive test results to kind of start a conversation, and then they would look at kind of how how key those players are. But I don't think that you can just start asking for games to be called off because of a few positive tests. Because is that really any different to having players out injured? So they they had a load of youth team players, about half a dozen youth team players on standby to travel if they needed them. But um, Monday was a nervy wait. Yeah, they, obviously the, the timeline was that, that Caden kind of rang in ill on Friday and was told to stay away from training to go and get a test. I think they got that test back um, either Saturday night or Sunday to say that that was positive. So um, they didn't have to. Protocols ridiculously say they didn't have to then test the rest of the squad, but Ipswich did the right thing uh, morally to, to get everybody tested um, first thing Monday morning, eight o'clock. They then had to do some sort of socially distanced training on Monday, kind of, which I don't, I don't think they do a huge amount sort of the, the day before a game anyway, in terms of a real intense physical session, but there was no contact training on, on Monday. And then obviously everyone then leaves training Monday afternoon and are just waiting for the test results to come back. They didn't know if there'd be two, three, four, five positive I think they were surprised when they came back 
completely clean um, late Monday evening. Um, so hopefully that's a sign that, that everything they've been doing up the training ground is has worked in, in terms of keeping everybody safe. Um, but it's just a reminder that coronavirus could, could have a real effect uh, at some stage during the season, as we've seen mm-hmm. it has at other clubs. I'll be amazed if there's not more positive tests off the back of this. I can't believe, because um, they would have had days where Caden was obviously training with them and stuff, that there's not going to be repercussions. And I think this is obviously going to be a, a wider thing in football as we go forward. It's probably going to be a, a, a regular thing, almost on a weekly basis, with uh, with players testing positive and, and games kind of being, teams being shorthanded and stuff going forward. Um, in fact, I think in the NFL, Hutchie, you'll know this, they've, they've actually got a coronavirus unable to perform. Um, yeah. <laughs> exception now for players. Obviously, coronavirus still uh, ravaging sport in America as it is over here, and, and potentially will going forward. Are there any other notes from the game before we get into what going forward and Lincoln boys? Anything else you want to mention, Archie? Uh, not not so much on the game. If I'm if I'm completely honest, um, I think I think it it feels like they they were they were fortunate that it, it sounds like Caden Caden's fine. It, mm spoken to him their neighbors I, I believe relatively close neighbors and he's fine he's he did show some symptoms but he's recovering fine the family are all fine but it's maybe maybe a little fortunate Ipswich are that he was he was symptomatic um mm. he, he would have carried on um mm. carried on training traveling and then all of a sudden you could have come down with a lot more. So they, they caught it well. And it, like Stu said, it's a sign that all the measures are still locked out of their building. I think only Leo, Leo Neal is using his office. No players uh, or staff are using the main buildings there, much to the players' dislike. They're badgering the management at every opportunity because they, they miss, their, miss their chefs, miss their chefs. Using the dome, we're led to believe Paul Paul Lambert has got a makeshift office with desk, computer, etc., and some B and Q heaters set up in the training dome. Excellent um, up there, um, as well as his staff, and uh, maybe a sign that those those measures are working, but also a sign that they're going to be needed for a significant a length of time. So uh, you're not going to be getting your chef back at at the training ground, lads. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid. Stuart, anything else to mention from your point of view before we look at Lincoln and the road ahead? I, th- I think it's uh, it was a reminder of how um, certain players were missed last night against a, a step up in opposition. I thought that was where, as, as good technically as the midfield three have been at the start of this season, there are occasions where you need a bit of physicality in midfield. Uh, aka Flynn Downs and, and he was kind of that, that was the first time that w- was a real reminder that um, a bit of steel in midfields missed and, and obviously the, the physical option up, up front as well so you the, the blend just wasn't quite there you've got a, a, a back four that weren't necessarily comfortable playing out from the back um, but then you know there was no plan b to kind of people saying well just just get it forwards well there, there was no one to get it forwards to so um the blend of the team wasn't quite right there, but there's reasons for that because because of the amount of injuries. But um, hopefully Hawkins is uh, Hawkins is back. He obviously came on for the for the for the last little while, and uh, the injury list will start to clear up soon. Mm. Now then, boys, that's last night taken care of. It was a bad night at the office. We're all agreed. Town lost four one. Got to draw a line underneath that now, just like Hull did 
they lost 4-1 to Fleetwood, as you pointed out, Stewie, so expertly. And now they're top of the league. So the big question is, gut check time, big test of character. They go to Lincoln City this weekend. They were third place in the table on goal difference. Another big, big test for town. This is where we find out if this team is an improvement on last season or will it all go to shit again? Um, obviously, social media is full of drop Toto, bring back Wolfenden, play McGuinness, make wholesale changes. Um, but is it that simple, boys? I'm going to come to you first, Hutchie. What would you do going into Lincoln City this weekend? How many changes would you make, if at all? Um, talk us through your thinking. This is where man management comes into things as well. It's not just mm. about not just about gut reactions, individual performances. Um, I think there will be some changes. I think there are, there are certain areas that we all know there's are going to be kind of under scrutiny when that team sheet goes out. I, I do wonder whether we might see a goalkeeping change. Mm. Um, um, I've liked what I've seen of him so far. Um, I've received quite a lot of tweets and emails about about Thomas Holy and the ratings that I've given to him so far mm. this season. And now I must I must say I I've not been entirely convinced. He's he's had some very quiet games. It's been really good, but in each of them, there's been some little things that have concerned me and and things that could have been punished had had there been an opponent ready to do it, which is exactly what happened last night. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was a goalkeeping change here. Wolfenden, isn't it? Do you bring him back in? Um, is one game enough, one bad game enough to break up a partnership that's been really solid for you um, to start the season? <sighs> Maybe... Um, we've seen with Toto and Siala before when he had an absolute nightmare of a game at Portsmouth last December. Lambert um, Lambert went with him again. He started with him again the following week uh, when there were options to, to bring others in. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with the same. They wouldn't be doing his rushing to bring in Wolfenden and McGuinness just as a straight pairing swap. Mm. Um, that wouldn't be something I'd be considering at all, um, I think for me it would be it would be Wolfenden or in in that area of the pitch. I'll, I'll leave like the midfield and um and the forwards to to Stu to discuss maybe, but I, I do think there'll be at least at least two changes to this side. Hmm. Steve Mellon last night on on game day made an excellent point. I thought he said um, it, it, now is not the time to throw the baby out with the with the bathwater uh, and making wholesale changes after one bad game. Yes, there's been a couple of mistakes. Is, is potentially arguably worse for players' confidence than, than saying, it's okay, I trust you. You've got another game. You know, let's, let, let's improve and move forward. Stewie, what's your take on that? Tell, I mean, Hutchie there has said what he thinks may happen, but what do you think should happen? Mm. <clears throat> this is the man management one, because it can go one of two ways. If you change Thomas Holy and then Cornell comes in and say he makes a high-profile error himself, by virtue of them trying to stick to these playing out from the back principles, you've then got two goalkeepers with a case of the jitters then. And this is the horrible cycle they found themselves in last year mm. with the two goalkeepers being swapped backwards and forwards. And then you've kind of broken the confidence of, of both your goalkeepers. 
Um, Andy's just spoken about Toto, who we know is very much a, a confidence player. Um, dropping him now could destroy him. Um, playing him and him having another bad game could destroy him even further. So it's a balancing act there. You've also got to think about the players that are patiently sitting on the bench, people like Wolfenden, who are being told, you'll get your chance, you know, but I can't change a winning team. But it's all about play well and you keep the shirt, but there's people pressuring you. So you've got to send the right message to the other ones because so far they've been able to probably suck it up and go, okay, they're keeping clean sheets, they're playing well. Mm. I've got no cause for concern. But if you suddenly still don't get in after a performance last like last night, then then they won't be happy as well. So it's a it's a really tough one, um, especially with those two players that we've spoken about, Holy and, and Enciala. I think it's a little bit easier to to kind of rotate the, the upper end of the pitch a bit more. Um, Bishop will, will almost certainly come back in. I think he was only rested last night because it's Teddy Bishop and all the injury history that he's got. Um, Lambert said afterwards, if he's someone that's played 100, 200 games and been match-hardened for years, then they probably would have said go again. But um, they're, they're treating him very, you know, wrapping him in cotton wool at the moment, which is understandable. So he'll, he'll come in in midfield. And then do you freshen up the front three? Um, Bennett's, I like what I've seen of him so far. And the, the what is it, three cameo appearances off off the bench. Um, he took a fairly hefty whack towards the end. So I don't know if that, that will affect him. But um, I like him. I think he, uh, you know, he, he might not be too far away from a start. And of course, if Hawkins is, is fit, then then he'll almost certainly uh, start up front uh, because they've, they've missed him for sure. And then, of course, Stephen Ward at, at left back, if he's OK. And it seems to be that he's back training and, and edging nearer to a, to a return. I, I could see him coming straight back in for Kenlock as well. So Andy talked about sort of a couple of changes. I think I think it might be at least sort of th- three or four. And then, <laughs> of course, if, if it goes all wrong and, uh, you know, people will then start beating Lambert with the rotation stick again from last season. So he's in a bit of a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't situation at the moment. It's, it's a tricky one. Here's what I think they should do. They need to find a happy medium. I think you've you've got this far so far in the season with playing players consistently sticking to the same players. I don't think you can just burn it all down after one bad game. Um, as you say, I think obviously the, you have to bring back in Hawkins if he's fit. Stephen Ward has to come back in. I can definitely see the argument to bring Wolfenden in for either Enciala or uh, or um, Wilson. But I don't. What I don't want to see is sort of seven changes or six or seven changes, wholesale changes in the squad after one bad game, because I think that sends a bad message. And then you literally are back to the rotation nightmare of last season. I think you have to stick with the majority of what's got you to this point and show faith in them. Um, with the obviously addendum that people like Ollie Hawkins, clearly if he's fit, you have to have a striker. Stephen Ward is a star at left back when he's fit, so if he's fit, he has to come back in. Um, and I, I agree with you, Hutch. I don't think you can blow up the wilson Enciala partnership and, and just bring in two new players. Um, but I can certainly see the argument for maybe resting one of them. Um, what would you What would you actually do, Hutch? I know you've said that what you think might happen, but what, what would you do? Do you agree with me? I'd go again with the two that are there. Yeah? Yeah. I think Siri? so. Uh... I think I'd be inclined to go Wolfen, Wolfenden for Enciala, but probably stick with Holy in goal. Yeah. We shall see, of course. That's all coming up this weekend. 
Lincoln City, as we were talking beforehand, actually, just a, a small aside, have an exit which town player link there, um, part of uh, the promotion winning side from, from 2000, no less. Do you want to just let us know about that? They do, and he's doing rather well for himself. Uh, 19 years old, Brennan Johnson, son of uh, son of David, an attacking midfielder, not quite the striker that his dad um, his dad was. He plays a little bit deeper. He's got. I've, I've seen him play for the Nottingham Forest under 23s before at Portman Road when he scored a hat trick, and he's uh, he's got a little bit of Dazelle and a little bit of Bishop about him. Andre Dazelle, who's got a a very good free kick on him. Um, he scored for Lincoln last night. I believe he set one up as well. He's currently on loan there from Forest, And he was called into the Wales squad uh, last month for the first time. He didn't play. but So a talented young man, that's for sure. Um, a familiar name. Um, and and a player that Ipswich are going to really need to look out for this weekend. Hmm. How are you feeling about this game, boys? Um, we, we, we've, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it is a big test. Lincoln a third. Um Certainly, potentially on on paper, the stiffest test that Town have faced so far. What so far has given you reason to believe that that this this side that we've seen from Town isn't going to go the same way as last season? I mean, even down to the the fact that last night was actually the same day they lost their unbeaten record uh, last season, the same date. Have you have you seen enough to convince you that this side is different to last season, Stewie? Yeah, I've been saying that so far because I think they're, they're sticking with the system. They've got a bit more of a plan now. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to suddenly let last night completely... I think there's been a lot of rewriting of how well they were playing in the first six games off the back of last night. All of a sudden it was, oh, we weren't playing that well anyway. It's exactly the same as last season. It was, you know, papering over the cracks. I, I don't, I don't see it like that. Yes, there's been... There's been the odd little error here and there that could have been punished, but I don't think they were um, fluking results. You know, I think they they were winning games and they were winning games comfortably and there were lots of positives to take from from all of the different games up until last night. So that gives me a bit more belief that it won't go the same way as last season because it did feel like it was kind of built on sand last year. And Mm. uh, it feels like there's there's a bit more of a solid foundation underneath it. Um, I think the fixture list plays a big part in in sort of how a season pans out. And obviously Ipswich lost 2-0 at Accrington last year to lose their record. And then straight away they had Rotherham at home, which was a big physical side, which was probably not the follow-up game they wanted. And Lincoln away, once again, probably not the sort of fixture that you'd have wanted to kind of, you'd have to to bounce back from, from this one. Um, They're a completely new look team. Um, Appleton's rebuilt the the entire starting eleven this summer, and then they're playing quite well by all accounts. So I'm intrigued to see what what they're all about. But um, no, I'm I'm not going to suddenly say that uh, history is is repeating itself based on on last night. They they were playing well up until last night, so I, I do still retain some optimism from that. Mm. Hutchie, we've talked a lot about leadership and, and Town's need for leadership. Obviously, Luke Chambers is, is the captain and has been in fantastic form this season. He's very vocal. Stephen Ward's come in and, and added leadership. Who else in this squad, if you're Paul Lambert, are you looking at now and saying, you need to stand up? We're going to Lincoln. We've got to bounce back. I'm pinning my my hopes on you to stand up and be part of that leadership that we need. James Wilson is another one who 
who uh, maybe didn't appreciate quite how vocal he can be. Um, but ra- rather than kind of, rather than those voices now, I- I'm now looking at the players that, that I-, I want John Nolan to, to take games by the scruff of the neck, like, like he did previously and, and wasn't able to do last night. Mm. I'm looking for, I'm looking for Andre Tuzel to continue to be brave and continue to play like, like he does to be for him last night he but but he needs to play on the front foot that's what I want from people not, not necessarily about about leadership and, and voices I, I want I want people to take personal responsibility here stay out of shells don't don't fold keep playing what's been successful for you that would be that would be what I'd be looking for from from my players if I was a football manager this this weekend I want them to be brave Lead by example, a different way of leadership, Hutchie. Not necessarily yeah. vocal, but leading by example. Yeah, Boys, absolutely. Am I going to be able to tempt you? I know it's only Wednesday and the game's not till Saturday. Could you venture thoughts on how you think this game is going to go, Stewie? Um, I'd take a draw. That's the, probably the first thing that I would say. I just think that that just calm, calms everybody down. Um. How will it go? It's really hard to say because I've seen very little of Lincoln. I'm only going on their results and the bits and pieces mm. I've, I've read about them. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what their Dutch centre-half, Louis Montsma, is all about because there's been a bit of hype around him. They signed him from a Dutch second division side in the summer. He's only a young lad, six foot three. Um, is meant to be very good. So him against Hawkins could be a, a good little battle that I'm looking forward to seeing. And he's mentioned Brennan Johnson, who is, they've got a real strong link with Forrest. Obviously, Tyler Walker last year did the business for them up front. Now Johnson's come in. Mm. Young lad, bit of bit of spark about him. It depends who plays at centre-half for Ipswich. That's going to be really intriguing. Um, you want a score prediction, don't you? If you want. Mm, if I'm honest, I think they might lose. But if they do, and obviously losing is not ideal, but we just want to see a reaction, don't we? If they go down fighting 2-1... There's a way to lose, yeah, for, for exactly. sure. Um, yeah. If it's like a 5-3 debacle of, of uh, last season or the manner in which they lost 2-0 to, to Rotherham as, as that sort of follow-up result to Accrington last season, that is the psychological blow. And um, just those few little mental wounds may have just kind of been semi-opened by last night and it's important that they don't become sort of gaping wounds over the next couple of weeks that you know they uh that yeah there's what it's about performances as much as the results over the next few weeks which is which sounds strange but yeah it's, it's the manner of the performance as much as the result hmm. Hutchie come quarter to five on Saturday even if town have lost tell me you sitting there will think I've seen enough there that, that shows me this this town team is different. What what are you going to be looking for maybe in those first 10 or 15 minutes on Saturday that you think is going to be key in this game? Like I just said a few minutes ago, bravery. Um, yeah. for, on that side of things, bravery, I want to see more of a connection with the striker on, on a technical side of things. Offence is the best form of defence. Um, <laughs> and... I think on on the way to relegation, um, and at times last season, Ipswich just weren't scoring enough goals or offering enough threat, which then heaps 
pressure on a defence which ultimately can't can't keep teams out forever. Hmm. The score goals, you have to offer threat yourself and, and come out on the front foot. Come out on the front foot. Don't let don't let Lincoln get on top of you. Win that midfield battle. That's that's what I want to see. It's difficult because, like Stu said earlier, Flint, Flint, you would be if if he wasn't injured and he was still on the bench uh, as he had been, uh, and last night had happened. There is absolutely no way that he wouldn't have then come in mm. as a as a starter for this game. And and the fact they haven't got him real blow but they, they have to get on top in they have to get on top in midfield and that's going to be difficult because there's some very good players in, in that Lincoln midfield Liam Bridcut being being the, the main one that jumps out so that's that from a technical point of view the mid, mid be brave keep playing don't fold that that's what I'd want to see so Siri says he thinks they might lose are you going to be bold enough to offer some sort of prediction yeah, I think they might lose as well, sadly. But I, I think they might. I think they might lose three-one. Okay, but it's as we as we've agreed, it's about the manner of defeat. If they do lose, we just have to see some sort of reaction from them, uh, and hopefully we will. Boys, let's let's finish on a high. Uh, we've talked about the David Johnson link to Lincoln, um, and that's because uh, Hutchie, you finally, um, after the whole pandemic thing got in the way, your opus. Your uh, your passion project is complete. The the look back at the playoff promotion win all the way back in two thousand is complete. It's ready to go out. It will go out next week. We're thinking. Just tell us a little bit about that because the trailer's out there. If you want to watch it on all our social media, it looks amazing. I can't wait to watch it. Um, and just tell us a little bit about the whole the whole thing, Hachi. Let's call it what it is. It's, it's my vanity project. That's. That's what it's been, um, but it's come together really for the May anniversary of the Wembley win. But the um, the corona coronavirus meant we weren't able to finish filming it with with people until I think it was probably July. By the time we got, we were able to kind of meet people to film properly again. Um, but we were, and um, and that's exactly that's exactly what we've done. Um, furlough didn't help with with some of the guys the guys I've been working on it with from our video department we're on on furlough all the way through to to august um so it is and it's six months later than it should well five months later than it should have been but i'm really looking forward to to people seeing what we've come up with because it's um it is something I'm, I'm very very proud of you say vanity project i think it's more of a passion project touchy it's not really i mean you're not a man who strikes me as as being afflicted with vanity but what you are afflicted with is passion for town and passion particularly for this period of of town's history um yeah and i and i think that comes through from from what i've seen you know you've spoken to all the key figures the quality of the production is amazing um and it is genuinely something i, I can't wait to see and but hopefully we're going to get a chance to talk about that more in depth next week once maybe people have seen it um so yeah look look out for that watch the trailer get excited for that um it is telling isn't it as we're sitting here talking about a 4-1 defeat to, to Doncaster Rovers in League One that 20 years ago town were on their way to finishing fifth in the Premier League and 40 years ago they're on the way to winning the UEFA Cup anyway mm. we don't want to maybe focus too much on that for fear of getting even more depressed on this wet miserable Wednesday boys is there anything else you uh you want to mention um on this special Wednesday post loss edition of the KOA podcast 
Um, before I say no other business, I want to, I, I want to apologise to everybody for my poor. Uh, this is what happens when you upgrade with certain uh, broadband providers who also provide a lot of television services around sport. Um, maybe don't have your. I'm going to say no other business. I think it was perfect. You dropped out a couple of times during that apology. Well, so. there, well there we go. Well, there we go. I'm with Sky and it's rubbish. Okay. <laughs> I've enjoyed playing blankety blank with you today. I'm sure the listeners have as well. I've, I've, I've just about been able to kind of piece the, the the missing bits as we've been going along. It's been a fun little game. I think it's been fine. I mean, the, the consequences of not having Hutch involved in this podcast, having been one of the obviously the two key gentlemen, the two stars of this podcast who were there last night, just sitting here with me and Stu wouldn't have been the same. Um, so hopefully you'd agree listening at home. Stu, is there anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I just need to say that Andy hasn't fulfilled his promise of eating a kilogram burrito yet. Um, yesterday wasn't the day for it, to be quite honest. We um, <laughs> we decided we'd drive all the way up to Doncaster and eat at a normal sort of dinner time before before the game started, and then um, yeah, that wasn't that was that wasn't going to be open at whatever time we drove past it in the early hours of the morning. So um, don't worry, I will I will hold him accountable. It will happen. When are we thinking it's the next opportunity then in terms of road trips north? Uh, well, well, Saturday. Saturday. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sat- Saturday's not in- not impossible. Okay. Saturday on the way home Saturday? Uh, so that, yeah. We Good. do we all all I'm saying is we we do go we do go past Peterborough services. Um right. this may this may be something that I just need to get done, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Take that as a verbal contract. The the obvious issue is that it was it isn't on the menu, and I'm going to have to go up to the counter and ask. Um, do you still do? Do you still do the kilogram one, please? And then the person's going to look at me and be like, "But um, a promise is a promise." Maybe it's like the secret menu. You know, like Starbucks and McDonald's have got secret menus, off-menu off items that if you know the special the special word, they'll put together for you. So hopefully La Beast is still still one of those and you can tackle it on Saturday. Ipswich Town will be tackling Lincoln City on Saturday, of course. And as we've discussed, we're hoping that we're going to see some kind of reaction, win or lose or draw. We just want to see Town show a fighting spirit Obviously, we don't know what Lambert's going to do with the team. We've, we've said there what we think he should do. Follow it with the boys on Saturday. Obviously, follow the rest of the week with us as well. Lambert's presser on Friday. Um, Hutchie, I think you're in the seat for that on Friday. And then, obviously, the, the match itself on Saturday. We'll be back next week, hopefully fully staffed. Although, actually, Stu, you're off next week, aren't you? Yes. So, you won't be here with us on Monday to break down the Lincoln result. But the rest of the boys will, hopefully. And hopefully, we're breaking down a happy result for town. Sorry, that today has been a little bit melancholy given the weather and obviously the nature of defeat last night. Hit subscribe on your various podcast providers. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes because um, that's great. It really helps us with visibility in the charts. And as I say, follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. And make sure you watch the trailer for Hutchie's Opus, The Passion Project. Has it got a title, Stu- um, Hutchie? What's it called? It's just called Wembley. You cut out again there. What's it called? Wembley? Wembley 2000. Wembley 2000. That is what we're going to focus on as we finish this today. Make sure you go and watch that. Remember, it's just...
And we're going to see what happens in town's next game on Saturday. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the game at the weekend. And we'll speak to you again on Monday. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.